Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I am Satanic Sean Charles Baker. I am anatomically correct Anthony. And I'm Ray the Buzz. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the one we talked about earlier, the Raging Libido Ray. Oh, well. no. Okay. What's up, guys? Welcome to hell. What's up, man? Hey. Good to be here. It's been a minute. Um, how are you guys doing well? I know Anthony, you have a cold audience. It's it's good. He's not, uh, he doesn't have Captain Trips, so that's been established. He's drinking some tea. What kind of tr- tea are you drinking there? Anatomically correct, Anthony. This is, uh, this is CBS brand Theraflu. So, I mean, oh, I thought it was peyote. Damn, yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, guys, we have gathered together amidst the craziness of modern life and our crazy schedules and we are going to talk about a major new release i knew this was coming i had no idea it was coming that fucking soon um texas chainsaw massacre 2022 this one so it dropped friday anthony uh alerted me to that i i had absolutely no idea it was coming that early this was produced by Fede Alvarez, um, co-written by Fede Alvarez, directed by David Blue Garcia, who is not a first-time director, but had not. Uh, so he did. He did. He he done. He done Bloodfest in, in twenty eighteen, which is a movie I haven't seen. I've heard mixed things. Um, it's a shit fest. Shit. Uh, so it's written by Fede Alvarez and Chris Thomas Devlin, who I'm unfamiliar with. Um. Roto Sayagis, uh, apologies, sir. And then based on characters created by Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel, obviously. Um, Netflix original movie. Guys, what'd you think? Let's go around. So first, let's just do a, a yay or nay, and then we'll go more in depth. But Ray, what'd you think, yay or nay? I think yay. Uh, Anthony, what'd you think, yay or nay? Yay. Strong yay. I would say yay as well surprised that i'm saying that based on where the movie started but so who wants to go first let's talk about this fucker audience we're going full fucking spoiler if you haven't seen this shit and you want to turn this shit off right now come back to us later we're going to talk all about there's a lot to talk about there's a lot of mixed feelings you know it's like the the first time that your counselor at camp lays his hand on your thigh and you gaze into his eyes and you start thinking like this is the that's the wrong uh metaphor i wanted to use. anyway yeah sorry sorry <laughs> welcome to I, group therapy yeah that's, sorry the therapy's been digging stuff up sorry so uh wh- who wants to go first what do you think well you know back to the camp counselor i would just be wondering is this your first time because i'm about to school you <laughs> <laughs> oh man no seriously what do you think anthony i loved it it was so much fun. Like, there's no way in hell you were going to expect something like as as good as the original or on par as the second one. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can get a splatter fest that moves quickly enough. And that's another thing I liked about it. You know, it was what, an hour and 30 flat. Yeah. There was no no extra to it. Um, they did very little as far as character development went. You know, they threw in a bunch of tropes, which you expected from the beginning and ran with it. Um yeah, but it was a ton of fun. It really was. Like I, I was 
blown away by the you know nasty cg uh, not not nasty cg i'm sorry uh nasty practical effects there's a yeah. couple little bits of cg mixed in but it, it blends so well you you really don't care at this point again again if you went into this movie expecting you know award-winning shit like you're getting <laughs> wrong anyway yeah, right. so so to to expect a little bit of cg thrown in with the practicals and whatnot i mean it's just expected by this point well it was um, blended like you said so i mean i didn't even know yeah the portrayal yeah portrayal leatherface great uh this is is this is probably the first time you've seen him like as hulking and gigantic because usually he's 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 lumbering but he's never like you know this huge giant menace and this time he yeah is. he's not a he's not quite the monster that he usually yeah. is yeah. in this film yeah, well, it's like Kane Hodder stepping into the Jason, you know, yeah. um, role, where it's just like there's an immediate difference here. Like, holy fuck, this guy is just really a terrible. Monster. Yeah. Exactly, uh, a monster. Yeah, it's Mark Burnham yeah. playing him. I'm not familiar with with the other things I see on him, his IMDb page, but I thought he did a, a pretty damn good job, like you said, and that's a good comparison with Kane Hodder. Uh, I'll shut up for a second. Ray, jump on it, man. Go for it. Uh, yeah. Well, what to build on? I mean, I think the, the gore is excellent. Um, it blew me away. Like, I, there were so many moments where I was like, "Oh, oh, wow, that yeah. was impressive!" Like, um, I really enjoy. Like, the gore is great. I don't, you know, you're right. There is a very much of a lack of character development, but in this kind of thing, like, they're not necessarily straying away from the tropes of this of this these films especially that first movie um and the genre like they're they're giving you a little bit of who these people are and then calling it a day um there is a little you know there's a little bit of like uh like what's going on with this 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 setup like this feels very overused but I mean, there's things about it that I like too. Like I, I was, uh, you know, I was saying to Sean that like one of the things that I thought was pretty um, kind of smart in the setup was that they have this whole thing of like, it's these kids that are coming into this town. It's become a ghost town. They're going to buy it. They're going to, you know, they're pretty much going to gentrify it, which sounds bizarre because the guy, the, the, the friend who has the, who's the lead, who is the one who's like, the push as far as like let's all go to this town and and take it over and and rebuild it and make it into our little oasis of greatness without all of the ugliness of the of the modern world is black but it still feels very gentrified um in what they're going to do like they're going to show up they're going to they're not going to have it be uh, a very much of a, of a of a central texas town it's going to be much more of uh, these young, this young hipstery place, and Austin, Austin right away, Ju- uh, Austin Junior. Yes, very. That's a good call. And ver- right away, that like they running, they're running into like the guy who's hired as the like. Uh, uh, what I forget what the guy with the who's their is. contractor who's going to like the contractor. All of, yeah, the contractor who is a tech. And and he doesn't in like he plainly tells like one of them like well I'm a Texan I don't like to tell but being told what to do and I you know and I don't especially like it coming from somebody who's not from Texas yeah like and they're not they're all and like I I think one of the things that I thought was interesting about it was that 
as we discover, like one of the characters was involved in a mass shooting. So it feels like they're running from, they're running from their own ghosts. They're running from their own like ugliness that it has, that they've encountered in, in, our, in our, our modern society and thinking, oh, if I go to this new place, it'll be great. And it'll be a new fresh start. And ignoring the fact that like they're going to someplace that has already has a pot has already had its own bad period. I mean, it's an empty ghost town, uh, which means that something happened in that town for it to end up this way. Um, and they and it's they're in their um, naive in not acknowledging it, and they're and I think they're paying the price and they for their net pay. Um, plus, I mean, I kind of like the sister character, the one like who kind of who's kind of lead for most of the film and like, because she like, there's moments where she seems very cunty at the very beginning of the film. You're talking about, but you're not talking you, about the one that suffered the, the violence. You're talking about the older sister. No, no, I'm talking about the older sister. But then you see like moments where she like, like that. I talked about it. Like there's that scene where like, just before Leatherface is pretty much going to kill her, or one of the moments that he could possibly kill her. She literally apologizes to him for what happened involving his mother or the or, or person she perceived to be his mother. And she's like, I'm sorry, we didn't mean to kill your mother. And you're like, wow. She like, she acknowledges that like, we showed up, we messed up. We kind of just invaded your, your place, acted like there was no one, there was no, no, not going to be anyone there. And we jacked up and, and we should have been, a lot more understanding and we weren't and we really came in like bulls in the china shop and to accentuate that point that you're making i would add she knows she's not saying it for his benefit she's saying it because yeah. she is generally haunted by it since the moment yes. she finds out that woman died it yeah. changes everything about her she wants to leave she doesn't want to leave because at that point yeah. she's not like it's dangerous i want to leave she's like i want to leave because we did this i i I can't yeah. be here right now. So and she's upset. She's genuinely upset at that one yeah. guy because like we didn't have the deed. You assumed we had the deed. We did not have the deed. We yeah. did something wrong. Like we've already started our our utopia in a bad place. Yeah. Uh I definitely the two sisters are really the only redeeming characters. Uh yes, I, I thought absolutely. I thought that the uh the younger sister, um, who's played by uh, Elsie Fisher, who people would know as Joy, Annie Wilkes' daughter from the second season of Castle Rock. Um, when they showed you first the bullet wound, just very briefly, on her chest that was like kind yeah. of obscured by her collar, and then you get the flashback of her laying in the school, like where the the Texans. She so he, this guy's so fucking Texas. He's work. He pulls up. He's working on his car or his truck. I mean his pickup truck. And he's just like, you know, laid his automatic weapon on the workbench just because that's apparently, you know, what you would do. Where else do you leave your automatic weapon? <laughs> Good point. Um, <laughs> I usually just give it to my toddler and tell him to put it away, you know. Um, worked out so far. So, um, but she says to him, you know, and, and that's where they kind of have like a thing, right? So before that, he's the enemy to them and they're the enemy to him. And when when she says you know what about the school and he knows what she's talking about he's like oh it's got to be really hard to live with that so that was a i i thought there was just enough character development with yeah. you just needed those that little bit because everybody else is basically fodder right and oh yeah 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 the whole thing with like 
Ray and I were talking about this, Anthony, before we rolled. Um, the a large part of the shit talk, and I agree with it. Okay, like, where is this in the fucking t- like the timeline for this is so fucking ridiculous because it's like, is this a direct sequel to the first movie? And if and so here's the thing: you would think that based on it's modern, and we know it's modern because of social media and just various things. We know it's modern. They reference this, they have bring John Larroquette back for the voiceover at the beginning. I thought they went a little bit like overboard with that a little bit. It was good to hear him back, but but they referenced uh, Sally's uh, whole incident with her friends in 73 or whatever it is. So yeah. by doing that, we now know that it has literally been the same amount of time has lapsed. So how is he, how is Leatherface not like on a fucking breather? Like he should be geriatric at this point. And then where <clears throat> Fede Alvarez, when asked on Bloody Disgusting about where this falls in the timeline, he basically said, oh, my movie doesn't mean the other movies didn't happen. Which was, okay, it was very coy and probably smart to like not take a side in that argument, but it really like, wh- okay, so where would any of them, like when did this woman adopt him in the, when he was 50? Um because she, the whole thing is, she ran an orphanage, and he was one of her charges. He's the last one; everybody else left, and he's the one that, that you know, he would, could never re-enter the world. So she took care of. Um, I mean, but if you look at so there shouldn't be any character development there, and if you look at it too much, you just it's going to make you hate the fucking movie. I, I, I when it started, the setup with the five twenty-somethings, barely likable, rolling into a town where they don't belong, disrespecting the locals. I was like, oh, because it's a setup of all of the fucking remakes and they, I hate all of those. So, I mean, I hate every Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie I've seen, except for the original and the second one. Everything else I've seen, not a fan. Um, I wish Adam, Marcus, and Deborah Sullivan, they were just interviewed on Buddy Disgusting as well about the movie they wrote. And, and uh, the guy that does the article, I forget, he really breaks down their script, but they talk about how what they wrote is no resemblance to that um, Texas Chainsaw 3D. I wish they had been able to make their oh. movie. It was supposed to be the first direct sequel to, to Toby Hooper's original. They didn't get to make it, whatever. Um, but I, they, just that trope is so fucking Now, see, tired. that's funny because you, you mentioned that and like the whole time, like I, without knowing, when I started watching it and I got the thing of like, oh, okay, so he's Leatherface. He's been living with this woman for forever. That's why the that's why Sally was never able to find him because she took him in and like basically tried to rehabilitate him the best she could. Because of that, I took this movie as okay, this is a direct sequel to the original yeah. film. Much like, you know, Halloween and a lot of other things have been like retconning and being like, okay, yeah. remember all those other movies? Like, no, they didn't exist. This is this happened right after that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so that's the way I figured it. And I, I, I thought, okay, well, fine. Um, I guess one of the advantages of that concept is, is that I understand the point you're making with Leatherface, but at the same time, we're never told exactly how old he is in that person. So are we supposed to assume def- generally that he is uh, definitely an, a man in his like 20s or 30s or could he possibly be this big hulking like um emotionally disturbed teenager yeah right 
like it's very possible so i'm like okay um and i kind of like felt like okay so those other things don't exist this the second and the third and everything else that's why it's just him and i'm like oh okay and like i mean it if it if it is like works as a direct sequel i think it, it, i'm okay with that because yeah it makes one, the most sense like the brother was run over by the truck so he could just be dead and she, it, it could have been very well that like only he got away and like maybe the weird uncle went off somewhere on his own and buried the grandfather and like just called it a day on the whole family and and like they all just scattered to the wind after she got away yeah that was something weird though that i couldn't i was like the whole thing where sally shows up and is like you're the last one he wants you there's no way he's not going to come for you which gives him like this halloween type Laurie strode thing again and you're like what do you i don't i don't think that was necessarily the case in the first movie or any of the movies where it was like no oh no he's not going to stop until he gets you because you he's determined you're the last one yeah that didn't like, make any sense because they also already established she didn't know who the fuck she was when she was standing there asking him to say my name it's yeah like, he didn't know who the fuck you are what did you guys he think about I want to very pointedly ask your opinions on what did you think about the whole idea of bringing Sally back as this badass ranger who ultimately is going to confront him? Let's let's talk about this a little bit. Anthony, what did you think about this? Pointless. Pointless. Absolutely pointless. Um, The introduction to her character, even though I love that actress from Mandy, she's great. Yeah, she's great. Um, just it, it was one of there were two hard eye roll uh, moments for me in this movie, and that first introduction of her, where they show like you know Sally's photograph morph into like geriatric Sally, <clears throat> I was like, why the fuck are they doing this? You know, Halloween kills bullshit, which clearly has run its course and is just completely fucking ineffective now. Um, Doesn't mean they're gonna stop doing it. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing with the, the latest Scream film. I haven't watched it, but I mean, they're bringing back all the legacy characters to, you know, either die or whatever. I don't, I don't give a shit about Scream. But um, yeah, just that her whole her whole role was pointless. And then to have her show up and try to be, you know, the the Ellen Ripley of the story. And the one thing I did like though about what you guys had mentioned about her, her keeping the 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 girls in the back of the vehicle was I liked the idea that she was willing to use them for bait get to him. I did too. That was the only thing I liked about her presence. And, and other than that actress. Yeah, but then once she goes like full Sarah Connor and does the shotgun cock and starts walking out, I was like, really? Seriously? But then that like completely gets spun on its head when he just fucking shoves the chainsaw through a gut. I'm like, ah, ah, I was kind of ah. I was kind of I was kind of happy about that. It was hysterical, and then you see him raise her up, oh, dude. I was like, "This is good," and, and it's a. And, and I'm glad that this wasn't going to be something where it's like, "All right, let's do three more sequels and keep this old bitch in here to come back and try and hunt him down." Like, I just didn't care. Um, I did like that she was crazy enough to live in his old house. That I didn't catch that till you said that to me on the phone the other day. That was I did not catch that. So that was wow. When you said that was that's like, oh just my like God. how nuts, yeah, that's how nuts she was about you know the the uh, ordeal that happened to her back in the seventies was she actually went and bought the old home, 
which explains why he went back to the the orphanage because he had no home to go back to. I mean, I get I get everything that's being said. I totally do, especially with that shot of like she's for some reason when she gets her phone call from the guy who's gonna let her know, like, hey, they found Leatherface in this town. He's pretty much massacring these kids. Um, she's gutting a pig. <laughs> like, is this what she does on her daily on her daily basis? Like, as a retired law enforcement officer, she. She really gets out there and really gets her own bacon. <laughs> like she, she goes, I don't just raise the pig. I carve it myself. I make the links. I get the bacon. Because weekends I start killing pigs at noon and you don't get to interrupt that. <laughs> <laughs> Oink! Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, so like you've got that and you're like, oh, okay. So I thought later they were going with that, especially because of the whole thing with the pig. Like, okay. So she's got experience now with a knife, which that didn't pay off. I was like, okay, so like I thought they were going to do something where she was like, I'm going to get leather and I'm going to carve him. Well, she brought a knife to a chainsaw fight, you know. (laughs) She did. She brought a knife to a chainsaw fight. She certainly did. Um, But you've got that. You got the thing of like, I, I, she just does these missteps and that whole scene where she like shows up and is ready to shoot him with a shotgun. But I'm like, Boy, if this is how you were as a law enforcement officer, how are you still alive? Yeah. Because, wow, you're making bad mistakes. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I, uh, like that kind of gets me. And I guess the one thing that her character serves as is that after she's like pretty much gored and is dying and she shoots leather in the, in the back and he goes running into the theater to hide. And looks, she looks at the girl and it's like, don't let him get away. It'll haunt you. Which means that, like, I think that she, not, like, the character of Sally acknowledges that, like, it wasn't that he was ever standing around somewhere, like, waiting to take her out. She always thought he was. Yeah, And yeah. it was more important to her to stop him than it ever was that he was For ever going to... to try and find her. And yeah, her. he's already forgotten her. Well, so, so that was my thing where, like, I was so fucking irritated at when they're like, oh, whatever happened to Sally? Oh, uh, she's a ranger. And I was like, oh, here we go with the fucking Ripley. Oh, my God. Really? Okay. Because 2018 did it. So now we know why this movie got made. And I was so angry. And then I, even when it was over, it took me a while to realize, like, wait a minute. I think they did that to take the piss out of Halloween 2018 and the whole current trend of, like, bringing back these final girls as these Sarah Connor ultimate badasses, which I mean, yeah. I, that's always happened in with recurring final girls and sequels. But like, I really felt like they were taking the piss out of, out of Halloween 2018 because Halloween 2018, while I do like it, it'll never, we've talked about this before on here, like that initial reaction we did in Anthony's living room when we walked out of the theater opening night and we were all kind of a buzz with it. Subsequent rewatches, it doesn't hold up quite so much. I dug kills. I know, you know, I'm I'm globally in a minority for that. That's fine. That's not the point. The point is, I really feel like that first movie, ultimately, Laurie Strode is a badass for no reason because she doesn't fucking, she doesn't double, t- you know what I mean? She leaves with him in the fire and it's not like they pull her out of the house. Like, so I feel like this, this movie was kind of like saying like, yeah, that was dumb. 
And so we're going to show you like our, our kind of caricature of that as she shows up. She's got him dead to fucking rights. Sally with Leatherface. He's sitting on the fucking bed. His chainsaw's not in his hand. He doesn't have his hammer. He doesn't have nothing. And she doesn't shoot him. And then she starts talking to him. Yeah. You remember me? Say my yeah. name. All this shit. And it's like, bitch, fucking shoot him in the face. Like, what? It's or at least start yeah. taking pieces off of him. You know, shoot him in the knee. Something. Kill him slow. She does nothing. And then I don't even remember now, but like, how does he even like ends up getting past her to go attack? Like, he basically forgets about her. He's like, "You're not a threat. Yeah. I don't know you. I don't." He care. literally picked. Yeah, he literally picks the chainsaw up, turns around, and walks out. She's yeah, and he goes like, after the, the other chicken. So, so then when she confronts him, and it's oh, here's a confrontation that's going to round out the movie. And then he, like Anthony said, he go- is fantastic. And then I was a little upset with the way, like Ray said, then she gets the one shot in because that was there were a couple points in this movie where it was very, um, uh, what do you call it? Dos Ex Machina, where a character who should have been dead wasn't dead only because they, the plot, need, the, the script needed him or, the, or her to get things going in a different direction. So like the scene with the, the main investor guy where like that dude should have been dead, but he ends up walking down the street anyway. Like, I'm like, wait, what? Because they needed that to happen to facilitate what came next. And the same with she, Leatherface would have killed the girl if it wasn't for that shot in the back that that, I almost called her Laurie Strode that Sally came up with. And and then she gives her imparting wisdom, which was fine. But, you know, overall, it was all for not. Let's talk kills for a second. Yeah, let's. Because they were a lot. They were fucking awesome. Kills are great. Let's let's what what's your guys' favorites? I, I think I, I think that that first kill was just so it's that wasn't even the kill, it was just the fucking arm snap, and then he uses the splintered bone to stab the fucking guy in the like the jugular or whatever. Like it was just it was yeah. like mm, chef's kiss, like so yeah. unexpected. And I mean it wasn't completely unexpected, but the, I don't know, it had the right tension. That first one, and then the bus in general is just such a tableau of insane gore. But I think the moment that was my favorite that really drives home what's happening is when the two sisters lock themselves in the bathroom and just the tide of blood comes in under the door. <laughs> like that lets you know there's a gushing going on outside, right? What about you guys? Um, wow. Ray, think, okay. Anthony, what do you think? Okay. Um, two actually it was the gal trying to jump out of the um the window on the bus when she gets. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say tough. that. I think that's probably my favorite. And then you just see her innards fall out. It's yeah. CG, but it's like it's it dark good. enough to where who cares? It looks great. Yeah. And actually, the um the main investor guy who got sliced across the face because it's a, a, a well to me, you know, it went right back to Evil Dead. You know, Fetty Alvarez is Evil Dead, where the gal was slicing her cheek open. And it's just like, man, this guy knows how to use this gag and it's effective and it, it still looks fucking great. And it was a nasty practical effect because when you when they showed it like, you know, head on, it's fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that obviously that bus scene is fantastic, um, which it and unfor- <laughs> the other good one, obviously, was the uh, the the Texan guy, because you're not expecting that. You're expecting him to be the hero and he's going to make it through to the end of the movie and that's not what fucking happens. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, I've said uh, my piece. Ray, go ahead. 
Uh, the you know I feel I you know, like the girl crawling crawling out of the bus window is my favorite of the bus. I gotta say, um, God, I love that last one at the very end. Yeah, yeah, dude. Because he doesn't. Because I was so prepared. I was like he said, like I should have known because he because he was setting it up. Like oh, he's gonna reach into the sunroof. But he doesn't. He breaks the window. He pulls the sister out. The sister that we've been like, that like has kind of been the one that's been getting, like has kind of been the badass for most of the film. He puts her on her knees, and then while her sister's looking at, looking, he, he kind of waits. He get, he waits for the sister to be looking. And he just like, yeah, there's the head, and then he starts dancing around. And I was like, yeah. oh, sadistic fucker. <laughs> like, I yeah. was like, I, that was so cruel. I was like. He did that on purpose. He waited yeah. until she saw, and then he was like, "Yeah," and he started dancing, and I was like, "Oh my god, he is sadistic." Oh. That one, yeah, yeah, I really like. Yeah, I want to do parting thoughts, but I just want to say I thought Ricardo Diaz, director of photography, I thought the fucking camera work was so good. If it had not been that, the lighting and the set design, if they weren't what they were. I loved all the kind of not exactly neon lighting, but very urban lighting in yeah. this small town. Like I just thought it worked so well. It, it was a like a tone I'd never you would never think you'd apply to this franchise, and it just it just fucking worked. So I, you know, I I think I liked it fifty one percent and disliked it forty nine percent. Oh, but. The more I talk and think about it, there's a there's just so much I liked about it. Um, and I said going in, I don't need another Texas Chainsaw Master movie, but I want another Fede Alvarez movie. So even though he didn't direct it, I, I was I'm happy. I, I really dug it. So uh closing thoughts. Slaughter the woke. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you ever write a review for this movie, that's what you call it, Anthony. Yeah. Slaughter the woke. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say I'm like 80 20. Yeah, I'm 80 20. There's some stuff in there that I'm like, oh, it's trite and like, oh, but there's quite a bit of it that I enjoyed. There's quite a bit of it that I was like, that was great. And it is beautiful. It's fucking great to look at. Like, really good. It, it's, it's a weird. It, it's it's a weird thing when you're watching a slasher movie like this that is so gory that like looks so nice like wow you really you really put some care into in cat into the camera setup and the color tones and I mean that see I mean oh my god if it wasn't the whole the whole like crash of the of the of the ambulance um. If it wasn't a horror movie, like it's, it's fucking beautiful shots. Yeah. Like, and especially where he's just standing there in the middle of all these like dried up sunflowers. It's weirdly beautiful. Like, yeah. you're like, that's a beautiful shot. And then, like, the one thing that makes it horrific is him. And you're like, oh man, it's, there's, I don't know. It's a, a, a maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a treatise on, on Texas. Like, it's, a, it's a state yeah. that is uh, oddly beautiful, but also incredibly dangerous. Maybe well, I, like the I feel like there were scenes. 
I, I'm sorry. I know we're trying to wrap, but I just I want to say that like the scene with the bus and that lighting, that blue lighting and the rain, like that's yeah. the tone and texture of Blade Runner 2049. But yeah. it, like applied to the, and and like it just I don't know. I, I the same thing with that like what whatever that pit of water is that she yeah. that you know that last fight that whole scene I just was like man the set design and the light it's just fucking gorgeous and it, anyway yeah. so overall I mean I definitely think if you're a diehard fan of the original and part two you might not like this if you have Netflix give it a fucking chance it's free you can turn it off just sit through the first kill and then turn it off you know if, if you don't want to continue um, if you like all the other ones you'll probably find something here to like and like I said I've seen that remake with is it Jessica Beale or whatever? Like, there's moments in that it's almost good, and but it's just not. Like, it, I just can't reconcile that third act where it just seems like she's just running through all this water and her shirt's getting wetter and wetter, and then she dramatically drives the blade through her fiance or whatever the fuck it is where he's hung up. It's it's just fucking awful. Uh, that one gag at the beginning with the hitchhiker where he blows his brains out is almost like one of the best things, and then they don't cut it at the right moment at the end when the bullet comes out the other side and you can see it's a dummy and it goes from being this like oh my god oh really like perfect you know 360 flip in the air on a skateboard and you, you just land on your knees and slide down the ramp so whatever i don't know um well you got you guys want to go uh classic corner next we're bringing this back let's go classic uh, corner the name of the film is called eyes without a face Got no human race. Your eyes without a face. We're all going to get sued. Or les yons sandwiches. Did you just say send more sandwiches? What? <laughs> eyes without a face. We got a doctor who is a plastic surgeon, actually, and he's trying to graft a new face onto his daughter. And all hell breaks loose. Um, it's it's a nasty introduction to what body horror was supposed to eventually became. It's gross, uh, especially for its time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Came out nineteen sixty. Awesome. Nineteen sixty. Mind you know, quick reminder: nineteen sixty, and you see you know, gruesome um, human experimentation. You're you're seeing people's obviously faces cut off, you know, scalpels and whatnot. Um, and you know, it's all practical that this, this is, you know, way before CG, the acting's pretty good. It's pretty damn good actually. And, uh, yeah. I can't remember homegirl's name, but it's, uh, she, she's in there from, uh, Suspiria and Inferno. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Tanner in Suspiria. Yeah. Yeah. She was also in Inferno. I think she, her name was like Carol, the groundskeeper or something. I don't remember. <clears throat> but, um, no, it's it's beautifully shot. It's gorgeous. It really is, and it's it's just this deep black and white that's been remastered quite well uh, through um, Criterion. I think it's Criterion. Criterion. Yeah, yeah. Criterion. It's so a Criterion. Yeah. So that one that's yeah. So the one that's streaming online right now on HBO Max. It's it's just it's stunning. And if I'm not mistaken, it's been upscaled to 4K. It looks fucking fantastic it, for it's, film metal. yeah it looks dude excellent. it's so fucking the transfer is absolutely unfucking believable it's gorgeous i mean if you, yeah if you didn't yeah if you didn't know any better this was a new film and yeah 
it, it's it's just that breathtaking. Um, you're, you're going through obviously the turmoil of this this young gal who's been horrifically maimed. Uh, well, not maimed, but you know, disfigured from from a car accident. And uh, for a second there, they do show a practical of her face, and it's just a brief second they show it, and it's fucking gnarly, man. Yeah. But um, I mean, that's basically the the gist of the film, and that's this is another one that I think was like an hour twenty, so it's yeah. it's not difficult to get through. It's not difficult to get through, and it it pushes along splendidly. Yeah. But um, please, guys, jump in. Let's 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 talk about this movie. Well, I I first saw it like several years back because I was on a tear where, um, God, what was it? I think it was Netflix. Like one of the first times that I, one of the things when I, very early, like probably like 20 years ago, I feel like maybe less than that. No, about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, something like that. Um, there was this whole period where I got either Netflix or Voodoo, not Voodoo, I'm sorry, Netflix, Hulu, Hulu, I got Hulu. And the reason I kept Hulu uh, as long as I did at that time was because I found out that they had a whole bunch of Criterion on there. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. So I was just trying to tear through as much Criterion as I could. Um, it, it's still a lifelong goal to try and catch as much things that Criterion has, has made into uh, its own editions. Uh, but has been added to by like you know, other companies like Arrow and Shout Factory and I mean there's so much out there um, but uh, I, I remember the song from the 80s of course and then I remember sitting down to watch the film and I didn't know anything about it going in and I was like wow this movie is it's a horror movie but it's fucking beautiful it's stunning to look at the black and white is amazing the acting is excellent um it's a it's 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 a drama and it's uh, it's interesting you say body horror um to me i think the body horror fits very well it also feels oh i'm totally gonna blank on that director's name right now if you guys know the film talk to her it's pedro Almodovar. yeah Almodovar. There's so much of this film that, that like I feel like influences who Amaldivar is and what he does in films, especially later on, and some of his like mil- movies that challenge that have like these kind of concepts and these kind of uh, things in them that uh, feels that like I feel like this is a big influence on him. Um, I see that. It's, I mean, it's really good. Um, it's it's such a macabre story set in a in a in a um set in this period where you don't think it's gonna or or even in this i mean it's it's paris and you know it's france it's the kind of beautiful french countryside you're not expecting this macabre story of a doctor trying to graft other human other beautiful girls faces onto his daughter's face and doing it by kidnapping these other girls and um, literally, like, t- stealing their faces. He's literally scarring them in the same way his daughter has been scarred. He literally has given uh, up on his own concepts of, of medicine and what he originally probably got into medicine for to correct this one mistake of his. And it's 
really tragic and interesting. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting too, because so there's a point in the film where, so it, the film starts and it's the assistant, which is the uh, Alita Valet. I think I'm saying that correctly. That's, um, she plays Mrs. Um, Miss Tanner, sorry, Miss Tanner in uh, Argento's original Suspiria in 77. But, uh, and, and then uh, like Anthony said, Inferno, I don't know who she played in Inferno, but anyway, she's his assistant and she's dumping a body, right? And so then you, you that kicks it off. And so you go into this thing and he, he gets another girl, he removes her face. That's what Anthony was talking about, where it's a very graphic, practical effect, very well done, clinical, right? It's very clinical, but to me, sometimes a clinical gore is even worse because there's so much um, intention behind it. And, and like, it's yeah. not an act of passion or madness. It's like very, you know, and you could see it with him, like, you know, towel my brow or whatever, wipe my brow. Uh, he's, it's surgery to him. And um, yeah. when it works, so then I'm like, oh, so I didn't expect one to work so fast. Then you, you see later, you know, it didn't really work, but, but it works for a while. And so they're having breakfast. And he's like, oh, you know, you look so good. It's, you, you can do anything you want now. You realize he hasn't thought at all about the fact that like, she's, she's like, yeah, but I can't, everybody thinks I'm dead. You, you can't, I can't. And, it, and you just see it on his face. He's like, oh, fuck. And she's, and she's like, what about my fiance? And he's like, oh, well, we'll wait and tell. He said, basically like paraphrase, like, we'll wait and tell him. He loves you so much. He'll be okay with it. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, that's a lot to ask. <laughs> from a potential son-in-law but it, it is it's fucking gorgeous and here's a question i don't feel like i knew why the dogs were there like i kind of feel like there should have been a because I, I guess like kirsten's like oh well he there was the one scene where he was operating on the one and it looked like he was doing a skin graft so maybe he was practicing i didn't feel like they really did a good job of establishing that so at the end one of my gripes is just like were the dogs just established to be there so that at the end they could, we could have the horrific, you know, climax of them attacking him as they're set loose? I just thought he was just collecting all types of breeds because not really any of them were the same. There were, you know, large and small and all kinds of random dogs. I think he was just collecting different breeds. I don't remember him really mentioning any reason as to why. He's just something implied. The daughter at some point it's taking an emotional toll on her that she like doesn't want these things to keep happening she's starting to realize what her father's doing it's not working and as much as it's here it like the, the moral problem of like what he's doing is tied up in him and his assistant she's realizing like it's it, she's caught in that moral web as well um, which eventually leads us to our ending. You like a steak, but you don't know what you, you don't want to know how it gets on your plate. It's a very similar thing. Like you want a new face, but you don't yeah. want to know how you got it. Although, I mean, how else could you get it? I thought it was a great pick. I really enjoyed it, Anthony. And I'm glad that you, you know, it's again, I've been meaning to see it for a long time. And I'm glad that you gave me the impetus to see it because sometimes the older stuff kind of it's always kind of perpetually pushed because oh something new coming out that i gotta see or you know whatever and it was good to just knuckle down and, and watch this I, I will definitely watch this one again it's nice to do something cultured from texas chainsaw massacre to this you know yeah yeah i agree i totally agree and it's no, just I, it's I stunning that, photography I, mean, I i love the idea of the classic corner and like 
maybe making it a normal part of yeah. the show like yeah, where we always recommend like or we watch something and we're like yeah here's this great like film you really should take a moment to watch yeah i, I mean it, the you history know, of horror the 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 intention since i think anthony was your concept to do classic corner to begin with but it's like it's gotten it, you know for the listeners it's gotten harder so it's like since we zoom this now like when we used to do it in my living room or your living room or whatever you know yeah. we were going to watch the common movie right so like we would have watched Texas Chainsaw and then reacted to it. And then we would have done, had the homework of watching Eyes Without a Face. So it's hard sometimes to give multiple movies as homework because, you know, I mean, it's just, there's not a lot, not a lot of time. And then we get together like this. And so we can't watch it together, one of them together. So, but yeah, I definitely would like to do it again. And I thought that this was a great way to kick that, that back off. So um, I don't want to, we have other things planned. I don't want to go too much longer because I think we're really clocking but let's just get one more thing in because I know Anthony had prepared something and and I I I read it as well. So if you want to do that, if you want to do something else, you can do something else. But so what is it, Anthony? I uh, recently read a ghost story called Infidel. So this is by Pornsick Pizza Shot. Pizza Shot. Oh man, I even had the pronunciation assistance and I still I still just fucked it up. But let's just call him Pornsick. Yeah, porn sack it is um, uh, art by aaron campbell um sean what year did this come out in 2018 well no i'm sorry that's the first printing of the trade that our that i have our friend jesus gave to me um so i'm not sure when the original i would imagine probably 2017 right or, or early 2018 but, but so right around there it came out image comics right yeah image comics it's uh wonderfully written the artwork's fantastic. It is a ghost story. Kind of goes into the um, embodiment, like, well, I'm not going to say physical, but more of like a manifestation of racism that um, it, it, it looms in this building that creates a, uh, a, a hatred. And everybody kind of gets sucked into it little by little. It is a very disturbing story yeah. uh, about a woman who is not all there mentally, who is now being plagued by something supernatural that's really pushing her over the edge. Get it pushed over the edge. Um, <clears throat> that's something that happens in the book. But um, so anyway, there's uh, several scenes of murder and mayhem. Uh, this thing is critically acclaimed from what I hear. Uh, but, but majority, so long story short, there was a uh, quote unquote terrorist bombing in a building. And now, um, a Middle Eastern family has moved into the building and they're being, you know, looked at as, you know, well, looked down by, by many other people in the building. And they're just kind of like, here they come again. Uh, they're, they're back to finish us off. That kind of, that kind of mentality. And uh, you just kind of see everybody's, well, you get to see how all these people who claim to be um, quote unquote woke, um, who are starting to show their, their true colors and kind of bring about more, more of a, uh, what they dislike about society out in the forms of racism. And uh, it ultimately, like I said, rears its ugly head as a, a ghost-like manifestation that just causes death and chaos. And it's, uh, it's pretty gruesome, you know, what you end yeah. up seeing uh, in the pages. It's, it's, it's a gnarly fucking story. Yeah. Um, glad I picked it up. Really glad to um, delve into this one. I, I, again, it's one I'd never heard of. I've seen it on the shelves for, for quite a while now. 
And I think I ran into a shop and it was one of those things where I was like, they didn't have what I, what I was looking for. And I was like, eh, I'll just grab this because I want to support the shop. And, you know, the guy, the guy at the, the, the owner, shop owner actually over at, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nuclear Comics in Laguna Beach. Y'all head out there if you get a chance. They're fucking rad. Um, he said, hey, that, that's a fantastic modern ghost story. You're going to love it. And I was kind of off, you know, put off by it. I was like, really? A ghost story? No, it, I was definitely um, enthralled by this one. Check it out if you get a chance. Sean? Yeah, it's. I first read a couple of years ago when uh, our friend Jesus gave me a copy of it, and I I had heard of it, I think, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, it's it's really uh, so. I, I've always kind of believed that things like, you know, for instance, like Auschwitz, or like these really insanely heavy negative events or people emotions can stay and create like a stain um in a place and so that maybe is what ghosts are or like ghostly activities so that's this place with that where it's funny when like well i don't, I don't want to spoil anything about this but when you get to wh who the spirit is that's manifesting it's not who you thought it was going to be at all and it, it jeff Lemire, it's five issues collected in a beautiful trade uh 16.99 most shops will probably have it and Jeff Lemire writes a... He does the afterword. Yes. Yeah, he does the afterword. And he talks about how, like, you know, horror, like a political comic, especially a political horror story, can be really heavy-handed. And this one's not all. He says it's just really well-balanced. And one of the things I liked about it is, despite this very topical, very, you know, political, polarizing subject matter that they use to kind of steep the lore for it, it's really spreads it around and shows you how like this is showing you that racism and these kind of feelings and, and this thinking isn't just systemic, but you see how it propagates within people that are against it to begin with. And it's so I really like that. I like it very much humanizes the entire concept and, and plays with that and makes it really horrific. And the dude, Aaron Campbell's art is so Every scene that has one of these manifestations in it is fucking terrifying. Kind of like, you know, on a most horrible library, we talked about witches, the Scott Snyder jock book. There's a definite like comparison could be made between Jock's interpretation of the witches and then how Aaron Campbell does this ghost. And, and it man, it is so fucking creepy looking. And I don't know if you knew this, you probably did. This is being made into a film and oh. Uh, porn sack, I'm going to try it again. Pichetta Chote is the one directing it. So I was like, holy shit. And this was his first time he wrote. So he was an editor for years. Lemire talks about how he edited uh, Sweet Tooth. I think he was one of the four editors on that book when he was doing it for Vertigo. So these and all these guys that did it, I think they were like working in the comics industry, but had never like actually done their own creator own book. And so this was, and it's just, it's, Dude, it's a knock, it's a home run. Like you see, you know, like The Witcher Hereditary, and you're like, or like Ex, Ex Machina with Alex Garland. You see these movies and you're like, this is your first fucking movie? Are you kidding me? It takes most people decades to get to this. I feel like that about Infidel. I feel like it's just they stepped up to bat, first pitch, knocked it so far out of the fucking park, it's gone. And I I would recommend it to everybody. I think it's a great ghost story. 
read it with you know minimal lighting by yourself and it'll freak you the fuck out it's creepy it's just so creepy good pick yeah that's what i did i literally sat in my living room with a lamp on with like two bulbs on very dimly lit house was empty fuck yeah. sat down and said okay i'm gonna give myself an hour and a half to get through this thing fuck i couldn't put it down it was a, yeah. an amazing read um best one of the best buys that i've had as of recent so please uh support support the writers support the artists definitely yeah. go buy this book i mean just just to you know bone up so you have an idea what the film's going to be like yeah but yeah jump on it it's great ray what do you got give me one thing you've read seen listened to dreamt about i finished uh sabrina oh what'd you think i i, I liked it it answered some problems from previous seasons um and i like I mean, I'm, there might be people that would that hate uh, might hate the ending, but I love the fact that they decided to conclusively have an ending. Like they didn't leave it hanging. It wasn't like, oh, Sabrina can come back twenty years from now. It's like, no, this is we're gonna end this. This is gonna. This is it. This is this is Sabrina. This is the you know the the tale like the uh, twisted tales of Sabrina. This is all there is to it. And I was like. That's cool. Like I, I appreciate when they do that with TV series. Like um, makes me happy. And there was the ending. I felt was balls. I was like, good for you, man. That's fucking balls. Because you either are gonna sit there and be like, wow, good for you, or be like, what the fuck, and be pissed. Like, yeah, I, I thought Melissa Joan Hart did a great job with that uh, series finale. I why? What are you laughing at? Oh, you're talking about the news. I'm sorry. The news, I, Sabrina. I, I thought you were talking about the other one. I'm so sorry. The cute talking cat. I love <laughs> it. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Yeah, it's good. I, dude, honestly, it's been so long since I saw it. Since I saw it. I don't even remember. I don't I know. It I took did. me like a year <laughs> for some odd reason. No, I that's, dude, that's fine. I needed that's a break, fine. I guess. Um. I'm just going to go with something I read real quick. My cousin Charles kicked this over to me. Um, so this guy, Adam Ellis, uh, this is also from the department of um, being made into a movie, ex except this is so interesting. So Adam Ellis, it's at Adam Tots Comics. So A-D-A-M-T-O-T-S-C-O-M-I-X. Uh, on Twitter, he so apparently I don't know how many years ago he did this story that he wrote on, and it's like a first person, it's like a no sleep kind of thing where he's like telling you that, like this is happening to him, and it's a narrative, and it's really engaging. Now, when I read it, my cousin had stumbled upon it. He's like, "Dude, you got to read this." I read the whole thing in like an hour, floored me. And it's on this site, Wakelet. So if you look for Adam Ellis Wakelet, or just type in. Adam Ellis, Dear David, that's the name of it. Um, it was collected on Wakelet. I'm telling you, I've tried on my tablet, my phone, and now earlier my computer. I can't get to the end of the fucking story because the site keeps, like at some point, it's such a long scroll. Like you scroll for like a long, long time and it just like, it, it can't keep up or something and it keeps cutting out. So I'm having trouble finishing it. I don't. I haven't looked deeper to see if there's another place you can get it. I know he's got a Patreon. I haven't looked at it yet. I would gladly um, contribute to that to, to read this and maybe the other stuff. He's. I don't know anything else about him, but 
it's this guy that basically he's like, I woke up last night and there's this, I, I have sleep paralysis sometimes. So I wake up, I'm paralyzed. And I see this little kid with a dent, a dented head is sitting in the chair at the foot of my bed. And he ter- it terrifies him. And then it goes from there. And it's like, he keeps getting these experiences where he, it appears. And then like a friend of his like, oh, she knows about this. It's like a legend. She's like, yeah, you can ask him two questions and he'll answer. Just don't ask him three or I'll kill you. And of course, the fucking next time he sees him, what's he fucking do? He asks him two questions and then quickly follows the second question with the third. It's that genie in the bottle shit. Like, nope, sorry. But um, it's creepy as fuck, man. It's like it, it, it's like he brings his, and there's pictures and video too. So like I watched a video earlier where like he's got a, a like nanny cams and shit set up and like there's a nanny cam in his living room. And while he's sleeping, it shows like one of his cats is, and this, so this is real. Like the cat is, the story's not real, but this image is. It's like standing on its hind legs on his couch just like looking around the room and then it like kind of swats at something and then just goes back to standing and then like slowly gets down on all fours and walks away and it's like it's such a weird image and like he just uses all of this in the narrative and like things around him uh it it, it was really fascinating it was a really good read i just want to fucking finish it um you know the movie is being done by, by uh people involved with um the conjuring and i forget what else um, so that's pretty cool. Like, it seems like this is going to blow him up, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good read. I just, uh, you could, maybe, maybe it will work better for somebody else. I don't know if my internet's spotty or something. So, okay. Let's wrap it. I think, oh, wait, you guys want to do crap corner real quick? Okay. Let's say, let, let's do crap corner real quick. Crap corner. Mm-hmm. Anthony, this one's your, your idea as well. Give us a synopsis and give us a movie. Uh, all right, here we go. It is a quick off the top of our head. You know, we, we all pick a film that is total fucking trash. Why it's trash. We're not spending a lot of time on it. We're just fucking saying, hey, this is a garbage movie. This is why it's garbage. And you're going to love it or hate it. <clears throat> um, so I have theme music for this as well. Hold on. This is the theme song for Crap Corner. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I can't <laughs> So I think this one was uh, in 2003. I'm not even going to fucking get into who directed it. I don't give a shit. Uh, It's Candyman 3. (laughs) Candyman 3 is a gigantic piece of shit. You get to see Tony Todd in love scenes. Um, The the lead chick, I think she Yeah, exactly. Like really passionate kissing kissing and just, you know, uh, erotic Oh, this is the one Tommy Wiseau directed this, right? The guy (laughs) that did the room? Essentially. it's garbage. It's utter trash. Cause you see, you know, it's, it's early, um, it's early, you know, uh, mythos being, you know, taking place in the deep South only this time it's in Los Angeles, uh, which doesn't make any fucking sense at all. The lead lead chick runs around in a fucking wife beater with her tits hanging out with super hard nipples the entire time, which, you know, is great for a lot of folks. Uh, she can't act her way out of a fucking hat. Uh, I will say some of the gore in it's pretty good, but overall, this movie is a giant fucking stinker. Uh, steer clear, unless you really want to punish yourself. Vestron Video just put this thing out on Blu-ray. I bought it. I'm a fucking idiot, and uh, you know, there you go. Well done. Ray Crap Corner. Oh, you know what? Um, there's a movie that hit Shutter along with another I came to find out that there was a, like three, there's three movies. And the reason they hit Shudder 
was because Shudder recently, um, not Shudder, Vinegar Syndrome recently got them and re-released them as a three-pack. And one of them being this film, um, Beyond the Dream's Door. I can't remember. The other three movies are all released about the same time. I tried to watch one of the other ones. It's complete crap. I watched all the way through Beyond Dream's Door. It's terrible. It's just garbage. It seems to be about this guy who's having bad dreams and bad dreams manifesting themselves as coming out and actually hurting people. And one of it, it, it just seems to be an excuse to make a movie about dreams and the potential for dreams to hurt people and the mind. But it just ends up being about a guy who keeps having dreams about a fucking dinosaur and the dinosaur gets out and eats people. A dinosaur? A dinosaur, man. It's a fucking (laughs) dinosaur. It's like a big lizard. And you're like, why is a dinosaur following people around? Is this guy... Like, apparently, if this guy had been around when Jurassic Park would have been made, the, the character, it would have been shitting bricks in the theater, just like, oh, big dinosaurs! As this, uh, it just it doesn't make any sense. He's involved in some kind of sleep study, and them being in the, you know, if you're going to watch a movie like this, go go watch Dreamscape, uh, or um, what's that other one that came out this past year, Sean, Come True? Come true, or Tammy and the T Rex is a great example of like Tammy the T Rex, literally is a, great, a producer that wanted a dinosaur. Movie. That's yeah, a shit like, movie, but you know it's a good, entertaining shit movie. And this movie, yeah, it's a great it's just a shit movie. I, it's yeah. just turds. Tammy and the T Rex is not a shit movie, but this, yeah, okay. Uh, and I guess Vinegar Syndrome is committed to putting out as much old shit movies that were forgotten as they can because I you watch I watched that one and after I found out it was part of the package with the other two that are, are also released on Shutter about the same time I was like man I gotta watch those I know what I'm in for with those now like, yeah there's a yeah. reason why some things were forgotten folks there is That's, a damn good reason yeah to quote Joe Bob I agree with that I I will say Vinegar Syndrome has like stepped up their game I believe because they put out censor um, I did buy that Night of the Demon and the novelization they're really so that's that like lost bigfoot movie where like bigfoot rips some guy's dick Uh, off i haven't opened it yet but i i had to buy the novelization because i just thought that was the craziest fucking thing that they hired somebody now to write a novelization for a movie that was filmed 40 years ago and hasn't been oh wow they filmed they got someone to write it now yeah and so i bought the novelization on black friday on their black friday sale and then i was like well i guess i should buy the fucking movie so I bought the movie. I don't know. I watched like the there's an epic cabin scene that's on YouTube. And I, I whatever. I don't know. I'm getting away. I'm just gonna do crap corner. I'm just gonna say pledge night. I I was sick, not with COVID, but in September, I think. I was home for like a week. I watched a ton of movies. This was one. I was like watch a couple slashers from the 80s. They were great. I was like, oh, I'll continue out continuing on. What's pledge night? Holy fuck, Anthrax does the music and Joey Belladonna is in the movie. Sign me up. 40 minutes later, I turn it off and I just went and listened to Spreading the, the Disease in, in my car and was way happier. So it was just, I, I, I couldn't even tell you why it was bad, but it was bad. I'll, I'll second that. I'll tell you why it was bad because I got an hour into it and I didn't know what the fucking movie was about. 
It was so also just there's a weird thing with the this frat. It keeps changing what it wants to be about. Yeah, and like it just it gets into this thing where it's like it, the frat stuff and the torture and all that's already weird and like it's you just start questioning it, but like they kind of play with that, but then they kind of don't. I, I don't know. It just you know I just feel like no disrespect to anybody involved. Hey, they can't all you know. Who knows? Maybe on paper it was the would have been the best slasher ever. Uh, you know what? 80s. I'm sorry, but it's no sorority party massacre. At least sorority party massacre. Slumber party. It's a pretty clear cut, huh? You said sorority party massacre. Slumber party massacre. No, no. There's a sorority party massacre movie. Are you called... fucking serious? No. Yeah, I'm absolutely it was remade. Serious. Also, wasn't it? Yeah, and it it's um, it's a pretty clear cut movie. Like, there's a there's a there's a uh, initiation ritual. Oh. A girl dies during the initiation ritual. And a killer comes back who seemingly knows about them having accidentally killed this girl and is going to make them all pay. That's a better setup. It's a thousand times better setup. It's so clear cut. Like, done. That's what the movie's about. Whereas Pledge Night, I still don't know where it was going. I was like, you know what? It's only another 30 minutes, but fuck you. I'm not giving you another. Yeah, yeah, well said. I gave you an hour. I gave well you an hour. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're not going to lace your boots up until you know you've already walked the five miles to get home, why even bother putting them on in the first place? I don't think that metaphor made very much sense, but whatever. It sounded good in my head before I said it. Okay. On that it. note, on that note, I've actually, guys, I got a surprise for you. I've hired oh. John Larroquette to come in and do the sign off for us. Why so is he naked? Be... <laughs> oh. uh, look, John. I, I think he's having trouble with his mic. And I, I meant that both as a euphemism and it, like he's literally having trouble with his mic. You can, nobody can hear him. He's talking. Nobody can hear him. Okay. He's got to click John. to his testicles. <laughs> That's, hey, it's how he operates. I don't know. Uh, okay. So, John, thanks for showing up anyway. I'll send you that that 500 bucks, even though this it didn't make it onto it. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> It's 500 bucks. That's the kind of level of investment he's held. I was willing I, to do for you people, goddammit. I'm, I'm a Night Court fan, and I, I love Dan, uh, John Larroquette because of Dan Fielding. Anyway, whatever. So, guys, uh, we'll do this again soon. And uh, in the meantime, I'm Sean. I am Anthony. And I'm Ray. And we're the Horror Vision. Fucking A. Is it? Fucking A. Fucking A. There I we like go. There's that. A, yeah, that's good.
The Cure. Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay in Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available where books are sold. There's something about that. Like, I think him and Guillermo del Toro should team up because they both seem to like annihilating people's faces. <laughs>